One thing we're going to talk about today, now we call it, um, around here lots of, we call today the resurrection service. We call it Resurrection Sunday, not Easter per se. Now the world uh, may do that, but the reason why we call it uh, Resurrection Sunday is because it spotlights why we as Christians meet on Sunday, why it's relevant. Um, understand there are people that believe and understand uh, that have been taught perhaps that, you know, we meet on Sunday because we want to honor the Sabbath. Let me inform you that today is not the Sabbath, Okay. Today is not the Sabbath. That is a Jewish concept or a Jewish uh, uh, edict for God between the Jews and, and the Lord. And so what we find is the Sabbath is actually on Saturday. Now, if you have the biblical week, Saturday is the end of the week. That's the, that's the seventh day. This is the, this is the command from God to the Israelites in Exodus 31, verses 16 through 17. He says this, Wherefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel, not to the church. Forever, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And again, like I said, it is on Saturday. So that is relevant for them. They celebrate it. It's a purely Jewish thing. Just like the Passover, guess what? The Sabbath is also pointing to a future event. It is a foreshadowing of what is to come, the second coming of the Lord. But there's also that aspect of the Sabbath uh, in, relating, in relating the fact that uh, people believe that, you know, I wish this a day of rest, day of rest. And for you and I, listen, if you choose to rest on Sunday, you have every right to do so. But ultimately, that's not what this is about. It's about honoring the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, which actually happened on the first day of the week, which is Sunday. That's why we're here today. So aspects of understanding. You and I today, we, rec we recognize this day. Now, this day is set aside from all the rest of the days of the year. Now, is this the day that the Lord uh, returned? No, we don't really know exactly what day that was. This isn't the day, but if the world's going to celebrate it and the, the world's going to jump in on it, and they're going to, though there are bunnies and all this other crazy stuff mixed into it, the Lord is in the mix. And if the world is going to at least recognize him on some level, we want to take advantage of that day. We want to give folks the truth of who the Lord is. Because what happens, we have people have a religious view of who God is. People have a review of, religious view of who Christ is. And what we want to do is take this opportunity to strip away the lies and to reveal the truth of who Christ actually is. And we do that through the Word of God. Now, about 2,000 years ago, something miraculous took place. Amen. God did something impossible. Yes. He came to a borrowed tomb in the city of Jerusalem, and He did something that is impossible. He defied the very laws of nature that He established and took something that was dead and brought it to life Amen. with something called resurrection power. And that's the name of our message today. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for today, for the opportunity we have to be in your house. Lord, I do thank you so much for each one that's here. Lord, I pray for those that know you. I pray for those that maybe don't know you. Those that are joining us online, maybe watching this recorded. And Lord, I do pray for that resurrection power, God, to come down in the hearts of men and women and boys and girls. Thank you for this opportunity. I pray, God, that you'd help me to get out of the way. You know that my desire is to vanish. If I could just disappear somehow, that would be awesome. Uh, but I'm, I'm here. So, Lord, help the human element to be removed from this message. Lord, don't let me mess it up. Don't let me get in the way. Lord, I pray that you'd uh, speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so 
recognize this. We're going to go through it today. We're going to be looking at that resurrection power, understanding specifically what it means, but more importantly, how it applies to us individually, but also how it applies to the, to the world as a whole. Now, historically, we can look back on prediction, or we can look back on history and actually see this picture of resurrection power. We can see it recorded throughout history, but what also is interesting about the Bible is it prophetically is speaking about the coming of the resurrection. Jesus Christ, while he was alive, spoke this truth. He again and again kept prophesying of the fact that he was going to die and then be raised again. Matthew 16, 21 says this, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Matthew 17, 22 through 23. And while they abode in Galilee, Jesus saith unto them, the Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And the third day he shall be raised again, and they were exceeding sorry. Matthew 10, verse 33 through 34 says, saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. And listen to this part. And they shall mock him, and shall scourge him, and shall spit upon him, and shall kill him. And the third day he shall rise Again, in Luke 24, 7, he said this, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. Jesus' death came by way of crucifixion. Now, the crucifixion initially was, in, was invented by the Assyrians. They had a religious belief about lifting the body off of the earth. And they, uh, they applied it to a relative skill. The people did die without a doubt. But let me tell you, the Romans, the Romans took what the Assyrians invented it, and they mastered it. They were masterful in their ability to torture, to keep someone alive and suffering. They used it as a way to deter any kind of, uh, of, of, of miscreants. Is that a word? That sounds like a word. Well, just play with me. Roll with me. It's a word. <laughs> Bad people. Uh, for people to influence folks that they wouldn't be, uh, they would be intimidated, right? So they would line the bodies all the way around the cities of people that were dying. So as you were thinking about committing a crime, you would hear the wailing of dying men all around you. So it was perfected by the Romans, and it was to be crucified. It, to be crucified was to be tortured to death. The word excruciating, excruciating, it's that word ex means from, excruciating. That's from the word crucifixion. So excruciating pain is a kind of pain that you can't put your words. It's like we use the word, but man, we don't understand what it's all about. It is a pain that is a point in time that we cannot even describe it. It is horrific. So why? Why did Jesus have to die? And this brings us to the verses we're going to be working from today. Just two verses. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 21 and 22, if you want to turn in your Bibles. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. Verse 22, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Paul is pointing to the pivotal truth of Christianity. He's starting with the problem. What is our issue? Now you and I from our forefather, Adam, we inherited something from him. We inherited a, a sin nature. Now, as we have this sin nature, understand, this took place. The reason why we have it is because back in a garden that God had created in a place called Eden, there were two people placed there, the, official, the original folks. Now, they were designed and created to live forever as long as they walked in fellowship with God. But what happened was they made a very unfortunate choice. 
They had an influence that came and whispered to them, and they fell prey to it, and they made a conscious choice to defy God. And in so doing, listen, they cursed humanity to the disease of sin. And I hate to break it to you, but we are all infected. Every single one of us. The Bible says in Romans 10, verses, Romans 3, verses 10 through 12, it says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. In case we're thinking of our neighbor who's really, really sweet, but that's that one lady, no, 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 not one. He says, there is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. Recognize the fact that by our nature, we don't seek the Lord, but God, the Bible, Jesus said, no man cometh to me, but the Father draw him. God lovingly tries to restore us back from our broken condition that we chose. They are all gone. Listen, all gone out of the way. They are together, become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. So though we may believe we're good, I thought that for many years. Why well, am I a good person? No, we're not. And we see the symptoms of our sinful infection through our selfishness. If we were all to get together in the parking lot right now, and we all got together and we took a picture together, and you were in there, and we posted that picture, big poster of it on the wall, who would be the first person you would look for? Right? You'd be like, what do I, am I eyes open? Okay. No, my smile's not, no, man, that's not, right? You ever take that, that's the thing with digital now, but like, no, no, my wife's always like, delete it. Delete, just delete it. And I'm like, no, that's that's a good picture. She's like, no, 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 give me your phone, give me your phone. And I'm like, no, I'm like, aw, man. Happens all the time, right? By nature, and I'm not saying that, I'm not pointing out vanity in any way, shape, or form, I'm just saying that's what happens to people. She's the only person I take pictures with, that's on my point. But the point is this, that's just who we are. We all have the same problem. We're all filled with ourselves. And what happens because of our selfishness, it manifests itself in bitterness, in wrath, in jealousy, in envy, in rage, in lust. These things are a part of what it means to be human. And we go, well, it's okay because I'm just like everybody else. Yes, you are. We are. We're all the same. We all have the same issue, the same struggle, the same tragic truth that are in sin infection. It is a terminal disease. It is terminal. It is death related to it. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 starts like this way. It says, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. What that's saying is what we earn, because if you get paid a wage, right? You go to your job, you work 10 hours, you get paid for 10 hours with work. You earn the wage. It says the wages of sin. What do we earn because of our sin? It says is death. And we go to Revelation 2014. It defines that death. It tells us it's a second death. And it actually tells us that it's hell. It is a spiritual, a spiritual death, not just a physical death. So there's this understanding that, listen, sin is directly linked to death. That's the reality. So people that die without the Lord, guess what? There is no hope for them. We will never be good enough to earn salvation. We'll never be good enough to earn heaven. We are all, unfortunate, already spiritually, spiritually dead. That's where we come from. Not that we're worse than anybody else. It's just the condition that we're born with. It is who we are. And yet God, God has a spiritual life that he intends for us, a place of fellowship and walking with him. But you see, we're incapable of experiencing that life because we're infected with death. And so here's the issue of humanity. Here's the issue of all of humanity. But see, because God loves us, remember, he created us for a love relationship. He created us 
for fellowship. He loves us. So what he did was he looked at our condition that was of our own making, and he said, you know what? What can I do to help them? How can I send them a cure, a life-saving solution to their sin problem? And this points us to the Lord. Do you remember what our text said? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 22 says this, For as in Adam all die, death comes. Even so, in Christ shall all be made alive. We're given the option to experience the spiritual life that God gave us by way of Christ. He offers a cure. Listen, if you've been cured of cancer, and it was uh, whatever, wiping this on your head, and it cured cancer, would you throw this away? Would you go to everyone you knew who had cancer and you could just wipe your head? Just, just do it. Just do it. Trust me. I know it sounds crazy, but just do it. I know the world doesn't like to believe in it, but guess what? It works, man. I was sick and I'm no longer sick. I'm, I'm set free. Cancer's never, no more a part of my life. We have a world that's infected with disease, which is sin. And the only solution is Christ. And I don't care how crazy you may think it is. It is the truth. It can bring us from death to life. It's amazing. Notice what Romans 6.23 finishes this way. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift. What's beautiful about a gift is a gift is free. Amen. You don't work for it. You don't earn it. You don't have to be good enough. Listen, we just receive it. That's all it takes. And there are people that can tell you all about the gift of God. There are people that can quote Scripture to you all day long. People that have been raised in church that sit right now today and go, Oh, I know all about God. I got all the answers. I've been there, done that, da-da-da-da-da, whatever. Recognize if you've never received that gift, it's not about having knowledge of the gift. It's not about believing in the gift. Because listen, if I bring you a present and it's got your name on it, it's specifically for you and no one else can receive it, and I bring you that gift, though you may know what's in the box, and then you know, may know all about it, and you may believe that it's real, Unless you choose to receive it, it is not yours. Because the gift exists does not mean that it's yours. We must make a conscious choice to receive a gift. The cure from our terminal disease. Listen, it is an opportunity for us. Though it is a terminal disease, listen, and though it is, uh, it is deserved, there is a cost, though the person receiving it is free, the one who's giving it. The one who's giving it is paying a price. Right? right? Someone went and purchased that for us. But you see, the only way to purchase that for you and I was by way of a death. A sacrificial death. The death, the life given of one who was not worthy of death. One that was in fact sinless. One who in fact was was kind and gracious and loving, who cared for the very people that one day who would kill him. Lord, uh, the Lord pictured for us exactly how we should interact with this world, with grace, with mercy, with kindness, with forgiveness. This is the picture. But understand, in order for sin to be atoned, in order for that payment to be made, there's a requirement of blood. Notice this in Hebrews 9.22. It says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. In the Old Testament, it was always an animal, a spotless lamb or a goat that was life was given, and it was a temporary atonement for sin. 
But for the sins of the world, there was no way to atone. There was no gift, no sacrifice that could be made from this earth because everything here is imperfect. Everything here is corruptible. It would take something incorruptible, something perfect, something holy, something righteous. And so God, knowing that there was nothing on earth like that, said, you know what I'll have to do? I'll have to go myself. I will come myself. The love of God. And this selfless act of Jesus Christ coming to this earth, boy, oh boy, does it true, does it reveal the true identity of Christ? Not the religious one that you think you know. Not the one that's still on a cross hanging in a Catholic church. It is not about a religious person. It is about an individual who was a real man, who was at the same time really God, and who came here to willingly choose us over himself. To look in the hearts of people. Because recognize that God can see right into the heart of man. The Bible says man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looketh on the heart. He sees all of our wickedness, all of our sin, all of our hatred, all of our judgment, all of our self-righteousness. He sees every bit of it. And he could see those people at that time. He could look into their hearts while they were spitting and making fun and screaming at him and calling him names. And he loved them. And he willingly gave up his life for them. Notice what it says in John 10, 17. Therefore doth my Father love me because I lay down my life. Listen, it wasn't taken. He was not murdered. He gave His life. He offered as a sacrifice that I might take it again. He's talking about His resurrection. He said, hey, listen, I've come to die, but listen, there's going to be a There's going to be a resurrection. Remember I told you guys, don't forget what I said on the third day. And so the father looked down on his only begotten son who would offer himself up as a payment for the sin debt of humanity. And here we see the father looking upon his son as he is being beaten, as he's being spit upon, as he's being ridiculed, as he's being tortured, and ultimately have his life taken by the very same people That He came to save. He lovingly looked into their eyes while they were murdering Him. And amazingly, what we get to hear is is the heart of God expressed from the lips of Jesus Christ just moments before He dies. What did He say in Luke 23, 34? Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Though they are laughing right now, though they're spitting right now, though they're celebrating right now as I suffer and bleed to death before their eyes, and they see the pain on my face, and they laugh. Father, would you forgive them? For they know not what they do. They don't know who I am. They just think I'm some heretic. They don't believe that I am the Christ. And see, there's the heartbreaking thing. And shortly after that moment, Jesus Christ would die. And his body would be taken down and be placed into a borrowed tomb in Jerusalem. And then because of the predictions that he had made of what was going to happen, the powers that be in the world at the time said, you know what, we're going to make sure that this resurrection and nothing like the resurrection happens. We're going to make sure that his, his followers aren't going to come back here and on the, in the middle of the night steal his body and take it away because, man, if that story gets out, this whole thing is just going to blow up and this city's going to go crazy. So guess what? The Jewish leadership says, hey, Romans, we need you to help us out. We're going to make sure this doesn't take place. And they go, okay, we got it. And they go and they put a seal on the stone. They put guards outside the doors. And they're there to wait and watch. 
But can I tell you that the morning of the third day, it wouldn't matter if you had a million soldiers standing outside of those doors. Because the Bible says that when that resurrection power came down to Jerusalem, those men stood as if they were dead. They froze still and they fell on the ground like they were dead men. And that stone, that massive, massive stone is rolled away like it weighs nothing. The power of God intervenes. And what was dead is brought to life. Luke 24 verses 2-7 through says this, And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed, they couldn't figure out what was going on. The old two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? What are y'all doing here? (laughs) What are y'all looking for? He is not here, but is risen, right? And then I love this because he reminds them. He says, hey, the the angels say, remember how he spake unto you when you were yet in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and this important part, and the third day rise again. And understand, this same resurrection power that did the impossible there that miraculously brought the Lord Jesus Christ from death to life is the very same power that spiritually brings you and I from death to life. It is the very same thing. The same resurrection power. We're literally on our way to destruction, and yet God intervenes. Romans 6, verses 4 through 5. It says, Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death. There is a physical baptism, yes, that pictures the spiritual. But this is talking about the spiritual baptism, the receiving of the Spirit of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. For by grace He is saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. God saves us, listen, and says that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Verse 5, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. Yes. Hallelujah. And so what went from dead became alive. Yes. And here you and I are, spiritually dead. Because listen, we were born that way. We had no hope. And that's why Christ came. Because if we would receive the gift that He offered, He would bring us from death to life. And I know some of us are maybe sitting there going, you know, well, how do I know if I'm spiritually dead? I mean, how do I know if that's, if that's me? Well, uh, let me uh, use myself as an example, okay? I was not raised in a religious home. We never prayed together. We never read the Bible together. We never talked about it. We never went to church. That just wasn't a part of our life. So I was raised in a very secular environment. For me, Christmas was Santa, was Santa Claus, and Easter would have been just the bunny. We would have had the bunny in the baskets and the whole shebang, right? That's all we knew. So there was never a mention of Jesus in our home. But if you were to ask me if I was a good person, listen, I believed that people were good inherently. That was the thing I remember the night that I heard the gospel. And I was like, you know, I think people are good. I saw myself as a good person. I mean, after all, I believed in God. Sure, got to be something. This thing didn't happen by accident. At least I knew that much. If you'd ask me then if I was a Christian, I'd go, sure. I didn't know what a Christian was. I had no clue, right? I was so clueless, it's not even funny. But I was 34 years old. My wife was raised in a Catholic home. She would had religion jammed down her throat. So she was sort of uh, had an opportunity to, to hear truth that, that she didn't want to hear, right? There was even truth in that, what she heard as a kid. But guess what? She couldn't hear the truth in the Bible. And so what happens is as she grew up, she pulled away from it. But God used her and something broken in her life that she was seeking 
And she'll tell you, her prayer was, God, just show me the truth. Just show me the truth. That's all I care about. And because of her influence in my life, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law came to our house, and they opened a Bible, and they showed us who Jesus was. Not religiously, not by ceremony, but from the pages of Scripture. And understand, that night, as I sat there thinking I was a good person, but then I had to qualify it. Because I, I had lied. I'd stolen. I had lusted. I had cheated. I had envied. I would hated. I would deceived. Taking the Lord's name in vain. Man, oh man, I could write a book on how to do that. That was my life. I grew up in a completely secular environment. I did not know anything different. But there was a realization, right? Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Come short of the glory of God. Now, understanding, I was explaining to me, I was looking, what is the glory of God? The glory of God is sinless perfection. That's what the glory of God is. So this is talking about being truly righteous and truly holy instead of self-righteous, which is what I was. I would tell you I was good, but in my heart I knew I wasn't. But so when I heard this and when I came to the realization that I was anything but good and there was a different standard, right? I realized that I was sin sick and lost. That I was deserving of death because God loved me and in spite of his love, I had still chosen to do awful things. But see, God is, God is not a God of, of death. He's a God of life. Yep. And God wanted me to experience spiritual life. It's why he intervened in our lives and used a circumstance that I would have never wanted to fall upon my wife. Never. But yet God used the adversity in her life to bring her to the realization there had to be more in this earth. And through her influence and their influence, I came to know who God was. Recognize this. God is our creator. He's the sustainer of life. John 1 verses 1 through 4 says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not any made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. I had lived my life consumed in the darkness. I lived my life with confusion. Why am I here? What's my purpose? What does my future hold? Why? 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 I had no answers for anything. And I would go on the internet or I would read or I would search and I would search all kinds of reasons of why. But in the end, I was still confused. Because you know what we're all born with? We're all born with a void in our heart and the only thing that fills it is the love of God. And no matter how many things we try to jam into that hole, no matter how much success it may be, because you know what? When you're unsuccessful, that hole is going to be filled by success. And then once you get to be successful, then it's like, well, it wasn't that. It's relationship. I just got to have the right man, the right woman. That's it. And when you get the right man or right woman, guess what? You realize that's not it. It's the right car. Well, at least for this year, right? Problem with buying a car, you get the 2023. Guess what? 2024 is coming. That one's going to be bad in a year. You're like, no, it's not the newest one. It's the right house. If I can just write the right house, man, I'll get it just right. And then guess, finally, the hole will be filled. No, if I can get enough likes, if I can get enough, if my channel will blow up, if whatever it is. But you know what? No matter how much we stick in the hole, what ends up happening is we get more and more and more hopeless. Because if it's not money, if it's not sex, if it's not drugs, if it's not possessions, if it's not success, if it's not fame, if it's not those things, then what is there? And the world tells us it's anything but God. Don't trust that, that crutch. That'll destroy you. Don't let them take away your freedom. 
Religion's just a crutch, it's a destruction. And I agree to you a lot, a lot on religion, absolutely. But I'm not talking about a religion. I'm talking about a relationship. Amen. With a God that loves us. Man, He loves us in spite of ourselves, amazingly. Humanity was created to walk in fellowship with God. But because of a sinful choice eons ago, the fellowship was broken. And what was intended to live forever was set on a course of death. Back to our verses, 1 Corinthians 15, 21 and 22. For since by man came death, we know where that came from, by man came also the resurrection of the dead, a special man, a second Adam. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And it was because of the incredible love of God and for His creation that Jesus Christ came to this earth came in the form of a man, not just to understand what it was like to be human, though that was a part of it, but with a purpose of ultimately, his purpose ultimately was to die on that cross, to pay the price that you and I could not pay. Motivated by love, Jesus Christ offered himself as the atonement of humanity's sin. And you know what the resurrection represents? Because listen, the cross is important. Oh yes, 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 the cross is important. That's where the price was paid. This was where the deposit was made. But when the resurrection came, that was God receiving that payment setting us free for that picture of resurrection that we see in Jesus Christ is a physical representation of death to life. We can see it physically, but know that in the heart of a man or woman that turns to Christ, that death that we're born with is gone. And we can be set free. And instead of being overwhelmed by the sadness of what life has ahead, we can look at our future and say, look man, I don't care what this world has to offer because my affections are set on the above because I have a relationship with God and I have hope in my heart. And a love and a peace that doesn't make sense. The Bible says a peace that passeth all understanding. It says it will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What a gift God is to us. For without the knowledge of what God did for the world, through His death, burial, and resurrection, listen, the world, humanity is without hope. There is no hope for this world. The, the Bible talks about the fact that the world groans. People tell us that, hey, things are getting better. No, they're not. They're not. Take a look around. They're not. There's a whole idea of evolution, which is a constant betterment. You're getting better. You're getting better. You're getting better. But that's not what reality says. That's not what science says. Because you know what the laws of science say? All things degrade. So it doesn't go with what the world actually is doing, but it goes with a philosophy that's supposed to turn people away from God. Because you know what? As this world degrades, you're right. It is looking hopeless. We can look at the politics of the day or the, or the reality of our world today. And boy, oh boy, it is hopeless. Yes, it is. But see, it's supposed to be. Because it's through hopelessness that we seek hope. Right. It's yeah. darkness that makes us look for light. Yeah. And so we are consumed right now in a world that is getting darker by the day and more hopeless by the moment. But again... This is not about religion. This is about a relationship with a creator. Listen, if you've, born, if you've been born, born again, if you are a child of God, then you know what it is I'm talking about. You know because you have a, a realization of the truth in your heart. But if you're not, maybe you're religious. Maybe you know all about God. You probably know more than I do. Maybe you were raised in church. I wasn't raised in church. But listen, if you have that realization and you go, you know what? Only hope. Eh, religious nonsense. Hey, listen, 21 years ago, I would have agreed with you because I didn't know nothing about nothing. <laughs> I didn't have a clue. And so understand, recognizing where I came from, it wasn't until a loving God came to where I was 
that I went from being broken and hopeless and fearful of the future, that God came in because He loved me. And He gave me not only a realization of an existence that I did not even know could exist. Because if you're not raised with anyone telling you about how God, what God has to offer, well, then you just look what the world has to offer. And it's not too good. It was always from experience to experience to experience. And as God has been whittled out of the lives of young people, boy, if you want to watch and see people seeking happiness, you'll never see it like you do today. Everybody wants to buy a van and convert it into an RV and go travel around the country and swing on swings over the, over the Amazon and do all these experiences. Because you know what it's about? It's about seeking happiness. But tomorrow comes, and you got to find more happiness. And then the next day comes, and you got to find more happiness. And there's a void that you can fill all these experiences into. And in the end, you're still empty. There's nothing wrong with adventure. There's nothing wrong with travel. There's nothing wrong with experiences like that. They're wonderful. But man, they have a place. They have a purpose. That can't be your purpose for life, because if it is, you are hopeless. You are just running into the darkness, praying you're going to find the light. And I can promise you it just gets darker and darker and darker. But God stands and says, the light is here. Though you don't, you've been told that it's not true, this is the real light. If you'll turn your heart and turn your eyes and turn your, 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 your ears to hear the truth, yeah. I will reveal myself to you. Because it's not like God's hiding. He's not in some dark place saying, I don't want you to see me. He's standing like this Amen. on a cross. I'm right here. I love you. Amen. I love you. I died for you. I love you like more than you would ever understand. Amen. And if you would receive me, guess what? My arms are open because I'm ready to receive you. Yeah. This isn't about you. It's about me. I did all the work. Amen. All you have to do is surrender. Will you surrender? Yes. And the world says, don't do it because it'll take away your freedom. You'll be, you'll be locked in the chains of religion. Religion is a mess. It's a mess. Don't follow the rules of men. Let the Word of God speak truth. Live your life by this standard, not by what man tells you to do. No man should tell us what to do. The Word of God is our guide. And if what someone tells you doesn't align with this, disregard it. It's garbage. If I ever tell you something doesn't line up in that, just go, nope, sorry, talk to the hand. <laughs> Ain't going to hear it. Because recognize, man, God loves us. And though we were on a path to destruction... Listen, God cared, and He knew all that I'd done. Yes. Mm. He knew it all. Yeah. I couldn't hide anything. And as I felt God peering through my heart, the realization of all that I had done came on me like a ton of bricks. And yet the realization that I had was in spite of all that, He still loved me. Amen. In spite of all that, he was willing to forgive me. In spite of my past, in spite of my choices, in spite of my desires, He still loved me. But not just me, the whole world. <laughs> the most famous verse in the entire Bible, John 3.16, says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But the next verse says this, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Yes. Saved. Saved from, from death. Saved from confusion. Saved from destruction. Saved from hopelessness. 
saved from eternal despair, brought from death to life, the resurrection power. 21 years ago, I met Jesus Christ personally. I've never been the same. Thank God. Because if you knew me back then, you'd be like, man, I'm glad you got changed, man. (laughs) I was a mess, man. Full of myself like nobody's business. My wife can attest. God's done a work. I still have a long way to go. But he has done a work. And the same power that came to a borrowed tomb in Jerusalem and a little hole in the wall and brought what was dead to life came down to a little rental house in East Charlotte in 2001 about 10 o'clock at night. And that same power came and met us at that place when we came to the realization that we were dead and God said, you know what? I have come to give you life and not life, but life more abundantly. Man, he's come to give you something that you cannot gain on this earth. No matter how to experience this, how much stuff you may consume, you'll never find it. And the world will tell you that it's a lie, but I can tell you the world is filled with lies and deceit and destruction. The Bible talks about the fact that it says that the, the prince of this world comes to lie, to steal, to kill, to kill, and destroy. He's a liar and the father of it, and he's going to do all that he can to hide this truth from you. But that resurrection power is ready to come down on this room today in the heart of someone here who says, you know what, I'm dead. I know in my heart of hearts, I don't want to admit it, but I know in my heart, I know I'm dead. And I need to be brought to life. The opportunity's here. The question is, who needs to receive it? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for your truth, for the power of the resurrection. Thank you for what you've done in my life. Lord, for so many others. And listen, you may be here today and you say, listen, Pastor, I'm saved. I know that. I I, I can tell you, I know without a doubt. But I know my heart's not where it should be. And uh, I need some of that resurrection power to revive my spiritual walk. I've allowed myself to be consumed by the things of the world. I've lost sight of of the purpose of the life God's given me. And I've wasted, I've wasted time. Would you help me? Would you help me today? I want to pray for you, brother. I want to pray for you, sister, today. For God to do a work in your life. And for you to feel his power in your life. To bring you from death to life. And to set you on a course that's about advancing the cause of Christ. Instead of being consumed by this world. And then there's those of you today. Maybe there's just one. Maybe watching this online. And you say, listen, you know what? I know if I'm truly honest and I search my heart, I know that I am not a child of God. I know that I'm on my way to death. I know that I'm on my way to destruction. But I recognize it. I realize it. And today I heard that you love me in spite of myself. And you need to receive that gift. It's not about having knowledge of salvation. It is about personally receiving it. You and I, we get to choose. Will we reject the love of Christ or will we receive it? A gift costs nothing to the, to the receiver, but it costs the giver. The price has been paid. The gift is available to you as we speak. All you have to do is receive it. 
with their heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here today and you say, listen, I, I want to receive the Lord. It's not a magic prayer. There's no ceremony involved. There's none of that garbage. It's nothing but a broken heart calling out to a loving God. He's waiting on you. So their heads bowed and eyes closed. If you want to receive the gift of life, you want to receive the gift of salvation, you have that, that, that chance right now. With their heads bowed and eyes closed, if you want to receive Christ, repeat after me. Dear Lord, I know that I know that I'm a sinner, and I am so sorry for the ways that I've failed you. By faith, I believe that you love me in spite of myself. I believe that you died for me and that you rose on the third day. And Lord, you proved you were God. And I'm asking you right now in the best way I know how to come into my heart, to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins and save my soul. Lord, I don't want to be religious, but I want a relationship with you. Thank you for saving me. I will meet you in person one day, and I will hug your neck one day in glory. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.